Hello and welcome to the second episode of My World's on Fire, the internet's number one podcast about the environment named after a Smash Mouth lyric. My name is Sean Spencer. I am your host. And my name is Will Jonas, and I just want to go on record as saying that if anyone starts an environmental podcast called We Might As Well Be Walking on the Sun, then we are in deep, deep shit. It's basically the only other Smash Mouth song I can think of off the top of my head. Uh... Besides that one where they all do like fake British accents for some reason. Um, I can't what? get enough of you, baby. Oh, God. Isn't that a cover? I hope it's a cover of a British song. I think, I think that's why I, I, I'm just going to assume that. Um, feel free to fact check us, folks. Smash Mouth. I love uh, to give the, uh, the members of Smash Mouth as much undue credit as they do not deserve. <laughs> They just played. Didn't they play a show earlier in Corona quarantine, and like everyone who's there got sick from it? Yeah, and imagine that being like your epitaph, like at your funeral. Like they carved that into your gravestone. Like <laughs> he died doing what he loved, going to see a band that has like three hits. They're most known for the Shrek soundtrack. Like, like that's how you chose to go out, and frankly, hell yeah. I mean, more power to you. This is a free country, isn't it? It used to be. (laughs) Well, I mean, just kind of gesturing broadly to the world right now for the viewers at home. Yes, we're we're gesticulating wildly this entire podcast. That's something the media doesn't really represent well. The whole time, just arms flailing. Uh, (laughs) Like like Kermit the Frog. And Sean, speaking of it not easy being green, why don't you segue us brilliantly into our first topic of the day? All right. So today's episode, we're going to talk about the Paris Climate Accords, which you mentioned, I think, last time as, or when we were talking about this just in general, as like it's something you wanted to know more about. So what do you know about them? I'm just curious off the top. So uh, my you know, very like baseline understanding of the Paris climate accords is that it is sort of a, uh, a worldwide, like collective initiative in order to reduce, uh, carbon emissions from each country, sort of like, a, an eco-friendly version of Tom Clancy's rainbow six. Uh, oddly enough, that book is about terrorists trying to uh, kill over half the planet in order to, Uh, bring earth back to its natural state so uh, basically if you guys are interested in my uh, spin-off podcast where i just talk about tom clancy novels that'll be coming out shortly as well oh can we be real for a second i would totally do a tom clancy novel podcast (laughs) because i'm just remembering that i i read rainbow like i've read a bunch of his novels because i was like you know a gullible young 12 year old at once upon a time um and I totally forgot that, yeah, the plot of Rainbow Six is they're eco-terrorists. They're trying to catch them. Yeah, I, I read that book uh, pretty recently, and uh, it held up remarkably well, but I don't think in the manner in which hardcore conservative Tom Clancy uh, wanted it to. He he paints them as like a bunch of like sociopathic, hippy-dippy like terrorists who that we should be like actively mocking. But their goals in the book are, you know, like they're evil, but they have a purpose. They were Thanos like 30 years before Thanos. 
Yeah, wow, damn, foresight. What vision by Tom Clancy. Yeah, what Bad vision on his part. What inadvertent vision. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Clancy, okay. I love you. Don't come on the podcast, you're dead. Getting back on track. Um you're pretty much right. Like you hit the nail on the head. It's the Cl- Paris Climate Accords are like a, an overall framework that most of the nations of the world um, have agreed to to in an effort to reduce carbon emissions. Um, so yeah, knocked it out of the park with that one, bud. You know what? I'm the Mark McGuire. I uh, I'm definitely using performance enhancing drugs, but I uh, I get the results. Oh, Mark McGuire. Our, oh, that was like the last time I was interested in baseball was him and Sammy Sosa. Because steroids make sports better, and we're just too coward to admit it. I, they definitely make baseball better. Let's be real here. Yeah. Like, come on. That was a ton of fun. America's pastime sucks. <laughs> and the only good thing was when everyone was on drugs and we were watching Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa just bomb 70 baseballs out of the park. And, like, especially you as, like, a Canadian, like, you have hockey, like, the most like visceral, brutal sport like maybe besides rugby like that's like your guys's thing and then america's pastime is just like a game that you play at your leisure it can take anywhere from like an hour and a half to a day i mean americans also love football which is pretty rough yeah i mean but we don't have that as like it's not technically our national pastime and i'm all about labels I mean, technically, hockey is in Canada's national sport. What's your national sport? Pole vaulting or lacrosse? <laughs> oh, that seems kind of culturally appropriative. No, I mean, the indigenous people in Canada invented it, and that's why it's the national sport. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm not going to say what is or isn't bad for something to be a national sport. Okay, but where were we before we got sidetracked by... We can cut all of this out. Uh, We were talking about uh, how the Paris Climate Accord is the worldwide collective to reduce carbon emissions, and then you said I knocked it out of the park, so I I went on a tangent about the only baseball period I'm aware of. Getting into the details on the Paris Climate Accord. It was signed in April of 2016 by 196 countries or states as they're called um as of february as of february 2020 um 189 have become party to it or like formally signed on to it um and i guess i mean it my notes here say two countries like two major emitter quote countries haven't signed on to it iran and turkey um as we talked about in our previous episode um donald trump wants to take us out of it, so we will join those two countries as not being at the party. Not, not to talk down about other countries, especially, uh, you know, with uh, political climates and stuff that, that I am not, you know, handled to talk about in depth, but what a list to be on. The United States, Iran, and Turkey, like, that's... That's the list of people who are like, no, I'm not going to be on it. No, no. Yeah, um, it's it's something else. I'm There are probably other countries that haven't signed on, but they're countries that like 
haven't really contributed anything to climate change. So I just find it especially ironic because, you know, Donald Trump's whole uh, relationship with Iran and him being like, I'm going to cut down on their nuclear uh, stockpile, which they definitely have. Don't look into it. They're definitely going to get nukes any day now. But to look, I can't even believe I'm about to say this. To be fair to Donald Trump, every president in the last 20 years has made false claims that Iran is going to have nuclear weapons. So, Yeah, you're not wrong there. So I guess that one, that one isn't on him. That's on everybody. Maybe presidents are just... Never mind, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and back again. Man, we get sidetracked so easy. Sorry about that. Oh, no, I'm not mad about it. Um, it's just not going to translate to a super successful podcast. But again, I don't really care. Until we get that sweet Exxon mobile money coming that in. That sweet, sweet Exxon mobile money. Um, I would personally snap a seagull's neck if ExxonMobil <laughs> will pay for this podcast. <laughs> Just one, though. Any more than that, I'll feel guilty. It's a million per seagull after that. Oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah, Iran and Turkey, only other countries. If Donald Trump gets us to withdraw, um, that could change, and we may end up staying in. Um, but there are three main goals for the Paris Climate Agreement. Uh, The first being limit the increase in global temperature to below 2 degrees Celsius and to pursue efforts to keep it below 1.5. Not really on track to meet that. You don't say. Yeah, right. Just, again, gesturing to the outside world wildly. Increase the ability to adapt to the adverse impacts of climate change and increase resiliency in ways that don't threaten food production. God, I need to write my notes better. Well, you've got that, uh, that left brain, uh, sort of like psychology where like, yeah, it's all very, very detail oriented, but it's a little scattershot. Whereas, uh, I just don't take notes. I just, (laughs) you just wing it. My idea of, uh, conversation is basically the Homer Simpson makeup shotgun, uh, I've got a few factoids just loaded in the barrel, and I'm like, whatever happens, happens. And the third goal is to increase the amount of finance and capital moving towards lower greenhouse gas emissions and climate-resilient development. Three big ideas, very broad. Your thoughts? Uh, so, I mean, like that all... It all sounds very... Uh, it, it sounds so attainable, because you'd think that this would be a bigger deal, a more important deal to the people who are actually in power. Uh, But knowing what I know, which is that the world is run by people who are uh, greedy because that's how they became powerful. uh, I I know that they don't, they don't care. Their, their main focus is just like keeping the people who pay them happy. Uh, So yeah. What reducing it by like whatever percentage you said, like, which is so minimal, like that's just not going to happen because they don't they don't really want it to uh, badly enough. Uh, so that you know, it's all just very disheartening. Uh, and do you remember at the beginning of the coronavirus sort of like uh, epidemic when like some stuff started changing like back into like the good, 
And everyone was like, ooh, maybe this will be like a healing moment for the Earth. <laughs> and it has not turned out to be that. It was like, no, that was a hiccup. Yeah, for like two weeks, everyone was like, oh, look, all these animals are coming back and, you know, trees are growing. And that has not, <laughs> not sustained. We can't allow that. Everyone needs to get back to work because America is apparently the orphanage from Oliver Twist. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's such an old reference. That's why you came to me to be your co-host, is to make references that are for me and me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're totally right about that. These are fairly vague, and if you ask me, tepid goals. I mean, yeah, two degrees below two degrees Celsius is good. Um, It's what we, but I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's better than good. It's what we need to shoot for, but it's just not going to happen. Um, I, where... I'm Irish. Let's lower this 10 degrees. I would like to wear a jacket all the time. That, oh, God. Yes. The temperature that I'm shooting for is like Victor Freeze from Batman. Like, I want Arnold Schwarzenegger running around making ice puns. That's That's my ideal just earthly climate. It was, I think, 57 here today. And I was so content being outside and just like at peace because my body temperature was just like perfect with the amount of clothes I was wearing and the outside temperature. Oh, chef's kiss. Absolute chef's kiss. Fall in the Midwest, folks. It's good. So, uh, you know, when the seas start to rise and uh, the oceans start to boil and everyone has to move into the flyover states, uh, the, (laughs) the middle parts of the year, or I guess late parts of the year, you're gonna love oh yeah this like september through like early november in the midwest prime good stuff high quality weather um the rest of the year (laughs) yeah for like three months of the year it's just unlivable then it's just gonna be wet and miserable for a long time and then like one day that's just gonna flip and the heat and humidity are gonna be unbearable for about three months but for the, the, that, like, eight to ten week window, like, September to November, oh, beautiful. Baby, these are the things the dreams are made of. They really are. Again, getting back on track. <laughs> um, this isn't the first time the world has come together uh, to combat pollution emissions. Not the first climate conference. The first was in Kyoto in 1997. Um, And actually, the Paris Climate Accords are, like, the offshoot of the Kyoto Agreement because, like, it's set out that they'll meet every, what is it, like, five to ten years at, I don't know, I don't know the exact time frame between each conference, but, like, every five to ten years, they meet and they come up with a new climate conference. The Paris Climate Accords were the most recent one, um, and, like, each time... I guess they get closer and closer to being like, actually things we're going to start doing because now people are putting in plans. We'll see what happens at the next one. I don't know. So Sean, it seems like you're saying to me that uh, maybe when it comes to governance, especially on a global level, maybe uh, the people in power should meet at least once a decade to reassess the uh, political and socioeconomic climate and sort of, determine that maybe the things they were doing don't fit this new uh, era. 
But God, how would that work as far as, I don't know, United States politics go? A bunch of white slave owners <laughs> wrote the perfect laws 200 years ago, and we never have to change them. Yeah. Uh, it, that it, I mean, yeah, you're just pointing out like obvious obstacles to getting anything done. But they did it once. Montreal, 1990. Um, the Montreal... Uh, agreement um, unfortunately didn't address greenhouse gases um, it just addressed chlorofluorocarbons, carbons um, or known as CFCs HCFCs and HFCs uh, basically just refrigerants coolants um, oh, refrigerators you, back you in the day from me. you stole it from me that was the one thing I knew I remembered like from high school chemistry or something like that they were talking about CFCs were like old icebox chemicals. Yeah, so remember, like, yeah, back in the day when learning about, like, the ozone layer and why there was a hole in the ozone layer? It was from those chemicals. Okay. They're really good at cooling things down, but they are devastating to the environment. Because, yeah, not only do CFCs just, like, eat through the ozone layer, um, some of them are also ridiculously potent greenhouse gases, um, like, especially HFCs, hydrofluorocarbons, um, and those are still, those are what are primarily used in your, if you have, like, a window AC unit, it's um, HFCs these days, and um, they don't eat the ozone layer, but they are potent at keeping heat in. Huh. What a... What an ironic fate. Right? But so, I mean, things like this have been done before. Did it in the 90s. Like, everyone got together and was like, hey, this is a really big problem. And if we don't solve it, it's going to be really bad. And they th said, yeah, you know what? You're right. And we banded together and did something. So, go us. Yeah. Uh, I thought I read something or it could just be from Austin Powers. <laughs> I constantly confuse the two, me reading and <laughs> seeing something in Austin Powers. But, like, didn't the ozone layer, from when it had a hole in it, like, it repaired itself? Yeah. I mean, once we ratcheted down the emissions of CFCs, like, ozone came back. Um, See, like, that's, that's one of those things that uh, the layman like me, like, you hear there's a hole in the ozone layer, and you're like, okay, well, I guess we're all going to die. But uh, it's good to know that, you know, like, scar tissue or whatever, like, these things can just kind of repair themselves. How it works, um, this is the general gist of what everyone was doing prior to the conference and what they came to the conference with. So prior to the conference, countries submitted intended nationally determined contributions, which is what they intended, quote, to do to curb emissions by 2025 or 2030. Um, so basically, it was, again, a bunch of promises. Uh, promises, as we said last time, are the deadbeat dad of politics, especially campaign promises. Um, yeah. So yeah, they came to the conference with these INDCs. Once they formally joined up, those become nationally determined contributions. Um, so they develop plans on what they're actually going to do um, in the United States case, that was the Clean Power Plan, um, which we talked about briefly last week, uh, the plan to reduce emissions from coal-generating power plants. That was one of our NDCs when we first joined up. I've got no complaints against that. 
I know, yeah, great. Good idea. There are no specific targets that a country has to hit. So, like, I have here in my notes, um, the United States contribution from that they determined at the climate at the conference uh, was 14.3% of the world's total greenhouse gas emissions. Currently, that's second behind China at 29.4%, but the United States is the historical largest emitter in the world. You're telling me that there's no, like, there's no national guidelines in place there where they're like, hey, here's who needs to do what in order to bring these things down? No. That, that feels like an oversight, because that's like a group project where, like, you can have most of the team pulling their weight. And then just like the one guy who had the most important job, just not doing it. Yeah, that's and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, you're getting ahead of my notes here. That um, there's terribly sorry. Oh no, it's this is great. You're you're right on track. You're getting it. Yeah. Um, there's I'm an active pretty, listener. There's some significant flaws in the Paris Climate Accords that we'll we'll get to. So as I said, there's no specific target a country has to hit, um, but it was generally understood, you know, like general agreement that the countries that had higher emissions, cough, U.S. cough, would do more. Um, So the United States specifically pledged to cut emissions by 26 to 28 percent below 2005 levels by 2025. How we looking as far as those goals go? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're not going to hit we're not even going to come close. I'm pretty sure. I don't know the specific numbers, but yeah, not even have, close. Have we gone down at all? I don't believe so. Yeah, that sounds about right. The last I looked, very few countries were on track to actually hit um, their goals. And as we mentioned a few times before, uh, we're pulling out of the agreement. So we're not even going to bother trying to hit those goals. That's exactly what you love to hear you love to hear that again to go back to this analogy it's literally like a group project where everyone forgot about it and it's like two days beforehand and so they're like all right uh we're all gonna meet at kevin's house and we're gonna uh we're gonna put the project together and uh all right it should be it should be enough to get us a c and then they look over at united states who i'm not even gonna give a fun nickname and they're like "Uh, you know what guys (laughs) I think I'm going to take the L on this one. <laughs> I'll take the F. I don't want to do that. Uh, I'll just say that, you know, my deadbeat dad left because all of the characters in our metaphors are interconnected. <laughs> We're building a, a general universe of analogies. Yeah, the, the environmental <laughs> shared universe. Not going to do nearly as well as Marvel. It'll probably be on par with like what DC's putting up. And I'm saying that as someone who really loves the DC movies. I haven't seen any of the DC movies, and I haven't seen a majority of the Marvel movies. That's not because I don't like them, it's just I don't watch movies. <laughs> uh, so if a country doesn't meet its nationally determined contributions, nothing happens. There's no penalty. Um, you Good. get shamed. People... <laughs> Other countries might, you know, not want to talk to your diplomats, but nah, there's nothing. No penalty, yeah. nothing. You don't have to pay, shit. You know how in Game of Thrones, how uh, the church shamed Cersei Lannister uh, because of all of the evil things that she had done, and then she murdered all of them? Yeah, seems like shame is a real good uh, deterrent against future bad doings. Yeah. 
so that takes us to the criticisms, which it having no enforcement mechanism, that's a pretty big criticism. Because uh, that means this is literally toothless, and there's no way to do anything if a country like the U.S. just decides to give everyone else two middle fingers. Yeah, uh, it seems it seems a lot like uh, basically just the you know the Democratic uh, Senate that we have right now, where you've got like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer who are like finger wagging the president all the time, being like well, he shouldn't be doing this, and it's like, hey, you're the only people who can stop him from doing this. Yeah, right. Oh, that's oh, that's too apt of a. A point you just made there. But this is on a global level, so it's even more depressing somehow. Yeah. Oh. Damn. Um as of it it also just straight up doesn't appear to be working. Um as of 2017, no major industrial nations were on track to meet their goals. And the little bit of research I did, Canada might be at least that's what the federal government is claiming up there uh but it's still very much a petro state like the united states is uh, except probably even more so um with like the dirtiest oil of all time as well so that's fun it sounds fun the u.s will probably never meet any of their carbon goals even under Biden administration um i can't foresee him even if he wanted to being able to undertake any like radical climate legislation just because of the way our government functions. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, so, all right, uh, let's go hypothetical for a second and say that uh, I'm assuming he was also your ideal candidate, but my ideal candidate, uh, Bernard Montgomery Sanders, mm-hmm. uh, had secured the nomination I know he had like a pretty progressive uh, plan as far as like the climate uh, was where too. like, would he be able to at least like get us on the track or like, is there basically like, are we basically lost at this point? I mean, that's hard to say because again, you can promise the world, but just the way our country functions at a basic level means that it's going to be, you're going to have to fight tooth and nail to even get like the most modest of like green reforms. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe ultimately because he had been like so much would have been so much more aggressive that it would have like the modest steps we did or were able to like scrape from the other side might have been, you know, a mm-hmm. little more progressive, but I just I'm I find it so hard to see how any like slightly left climate policy can even survive given our current political like setup yeah that's uh it's disheartening because yeah i mean like we can uh i couldn't think of another term so i'm just gonna go with the one that popped in my head we can twist and shout against (laughs) uh, against this all we want but like the the thing that really is uh like sad and is holding us all back is the fact that like uh, like we're we're entrenched in this bullshit. Like it's it's not going to be something where it's just like, oh yeah, like if we elect the right person, they'll fix it. Uh, it's like no, we've got to elect like fourteen of the right people in a row, and then we can make a dent in it. 
and that's why I just don't see us like ever being able to meet our commitments under the Paris Agreement. Um, there's the the odds are so stacked against it. I just don't see it being feasible. Yeah. Do you think like the the only thing that could possibly like set us in motion to actually like uh like leaning in that direction is like once we've already gone like full scale climate apocalypse because <laughs> I think that feels like the only thing that's eventually going to make people think like hey we should actually probably think about this. Yeah, that it that is what it's going to take. Like it's going to have to hit the really really wealthy areas like it's going to take one like category 4 hurricane striking Miami Miami head on like just rolling right over Miami Beach to like wake people and be like oh shit this is for real like this isn't a joke or like it's going to need to be another hurricane sandy that just floods lower manhattan and everyone goes oh crap it can hit the really wealthy areas too. See, um, like that's the thing is like uh, going back to what we kind of touched on in the first episode, like with those people, like like Ben Shapiro, like they've they've basically been like moving the goalposts their entire like pundit careers, where they're like uh, climate change isn't real, or you know back then they were like global warming isn't real, and then like, oh the, the the Democrats are changing it to, to climate change because they know that uh, the Earth's not actually heating up, and then they're like okay well it's real but uh, we didn't cause it okay we caused it but there's nothing we can do about it no like we have this idea that like oh even once things get like apocalyptic maybe that's when they'll finally be like oh well this is bad <laughs> like will they or will they just move the goalpost again and just be like well. What are we going to do? My guess is they move the goalposts. Um, I find it hard to imagine what they could move them to. Um, <laughs> as, I mean, it's already hard to imagine what they could move them to just looking at the current state of things now. Like, uh, See, yeah. that, that is what I will give uh, the, like, the far right and the like, libertarian uh, sort of like, political spectrum. I'll give them that they're far more creative than I ever gave them credit for. Like they're not good excuses, but like by God, they find something. They find something and they latch onto it, and it's like, wow, what a reach! Yeah, actually, you know what it is? It's um, it's going to be a turn to eco-fascism. That's it's not. They're not going to move the goalposts anymore. It's just going to be a turn to outright fascism in the name of the environment. That's what it's going to be. They're not going to move the goalposts anymore. They're just going to mask off essentially interesting yeah that yeah no they're not gonna the goalposts won't be able to move any more than on that note i'm gonna open another beer <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so back to the paris climate accords this is my last point i have on it from the un itself if we rely on the current commitments from the paris climate agreements temperatures are going to rise by at least 3.2 degrees celsius this century and that's at least, it's likely going to be more. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you said the goal was to reduce it by 2 degrees Celsius. Keep it under 2, under 1.5 if we could. Reduce carbon emissions. To keep, it's going to get warmer no matter what. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we have, what, so what has happened with this is there's so much, like there's a lag time to the, like the, um, 
pumping of CO2 into the atmosphere and the temperature increase. Um, they're not like it doesn't ride on the back one of the other. Um, there's a lag time between, you know, we've got this much CO2 in the atmosphere that corresponds to this like temperature level. It takes the temperature a, a little bit longer to rise to that point, given that much CO2. So, okay. So know. we're on an escalator going up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So we've like, you know, we've pumped X amount of CO2 into the atmosphere as of right now. And if we were like somehow able to just like snap our fingers and stop that, there's a corresponding amount of warming that would still happen because of that lag time. So it's uh, to try and show off to our, our dear, beautiful listeners as much as I possibly can. It's essentially like the same thing with like the light from stars where like, you know, these stars could have burned out like a million years ago, but they're just so far away that like, we won't see it in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah, great. That's a great analogy. <laughs> God damn, I nailed another one. Yep, you did. So yeah, that's the Paris Climate Accords. Kind of a quick, rough breakdown of it. Well, uh, my, <laughs> my initial takeaway, uh, if that is what we're looking for here, is definitely... Uh, it's, it's kind of what we were talking about with... Uh, with Joe Biden in the last episode, which is that it is in no means like perfect. Uh, like the, the lack of accountability is definitely disheartening and something that should definitely be firmed up in order to see any kind of real results. But like we're, we're at a point just as a species where it's like, I guess if this is as good as we can get, then this is what I would like to have happen. Uh, but you know, there's there's always going to be that that part of me that's like, God, how did it get this bad? <laughs> well, I, I know how it got this bad. It's not ideal, but it's better than the alternative of nothing. Yeah, what <laughs> what a beautiful beautiful life we lead, where uh, <laughs> our options are okay or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Don't you don't you just love American democracy? I think it's the only form of government that's ever worked. That's why that's why it is our job as Americans to forcibly make sure that other countries subscribe to our brand of democracy as well. Yeah. America. America. Talking getting into topics that are not America. Oh god, please. Um Greenland. The ice sheet that makes Greenland notably not green, um, according to some scientists, has started melting beyond the point of no return. <laughs> oh no! You never like to hear the words point of no return. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, unless you're going to beautiful Wisconsin Dells, where you're going to Noah's Ark, where the point of no return is their best water slide. It is 12 stories straight down, and let me tell you, I could ride that thing every day as a child. I'm sure if I went back to Wisconsin Dells right now, I would hate it. Yeah, I have no desire to ever go there again. <laughs> uh, let me give you a breakdown of what Wisconsin Dells is. It is uh, like just a mile of like t-shirt kiosks and like knickknack stores. The tackiest uh, 
town in America. And then you get to the water parks, and it's basically 100% urine. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was, that was the, the best place on Earth when I was a child. Oh, I have great memories of, yeah, going down the slides at Noah's Ark. It was great fun. Looking yeah. back on that place, gross. I'm sorry I keep derailing this, but just for a moment, and I want you to leave this in, Sean. I want the listeners to imagine you're a full-grown adult right now walking into a wave pool. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, it's so gross just thinking about it, just knowing, like, just all of the pee and, like, different, like, gross bacteria and just all the people that have been in there. And that water's just slapping you in the face. Oh, it, it's getting everywhere. Uh, and you're doing, you're letting it do that to you on purpose. You're, you're loving it. That's- yeah, you're having a ball. It's the way you, you know you go into the really deep end, so you're like where you can't touch, and you have to really like flutter your arms to get up over the wave. Oh, it's a and, thrill. And you're smiling ear to ear, so your mouth's a little open, and water's just getting in there. You're loving it. It's the best day of your life. <laughs> so getting back to the Greenland ice sheet. It's the ice sheet that's by far the biggest contributor to sea level rise. Annually, it puts in 280 billion tons of, or billion metric tons, excuse me, of melting ice into the ocean. That means it raises, you know, the, or, that means it raises the sea level by, you know, an average of one millimeter a year, just by itself. That is, uh, that's not good news. Uh, it's um, basically what we would call not good. And like one millimeter doesn't sound like much, but you have to remember the ocean is 70% of our planet. <laughs> yeah, and just the, the idea that something that covers 70% of the surface of our planet rising at all takes so much goddamn water. Right? One, one ice sheet's able to raise it by a millimeter all on its own. Like, and there- I I was watching this video. I was watching this video on YouTube of like this guy in India or something like that who like dug a pool in like just the ground and I think it was his backyard. It could have just been a spot of land that he was on. But he like <laughs> dug this like 12 foot deep pool in the back of his uh this area. And like he just took a jug and like went to a river maybe a mile away and started filling this pool up with river water, and it took him, like, a week. So, and and that's just a 12-foot-deep pool. We haven't even found the bottom of the ocean, and we're raising the level by a millimeter. (laughs) And, yeah, so the researchers who published this from Ohio State found that even if we were able to go back to the climate of, like, 20, 30 years ago, so, like the mid 90s um the ice sheet would still just keep melting at its current pace um so even cooling the planet down a little bit isn't gonna help it so we're, we're essentially uh, at the stage in cooking scrambled eggs where you turn off the stove and you just let the residual heat cook the scrambled eggs is that what i'm hearing yeah pretty much good 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 yep 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 yep, yep. <laughs> we are um, losing it right now yeah yeah, not not having a good one today, folks. <laughs> um, moving on, in I guess kind of 
nice news, but not really nice given the context of it. Um, the state of Michigan reached a $600 million settlement with the city of Flint um, for poisoning it. Oh, yes. The the thing that is such a... Actually, I'm, I'm not going to say it's uniquely American because I don't know if other countries uh, sort of follow our judicial system, but uh, when things are settled in civil court... Uh, it usually means that everyone is aware that a crime has been committed, but they just don't have the evidence or the willingness to actually convict someone for it. <laughs> so Yeah, in this case, it's the willingness. So, like, O.J. Simpson, we all know he murdered his wife, but he didn't. we didn't have the evidence for it. But in a civil case, they found him guilty, and he had to pay that family for murdering their daughter. This feels a little bit like that. <laughs> it it definitely is. Um, that's to quote absolve it for its role in the Flint water crisis. Um, if you don't know what the Flint water crisis is, if you're not, where have you been? Um, basically, the city of Flint switched water sources, and that caused a bunch of lead to leach out of their water supply pipes, and that poisoned. A whole whack of people. Um, and if you don't know, lead poisoning is ex- is especially bad for children because lead messes with um, neurological development, even in very small amounts. Um, so these kids are unfortunately going to be dealing with the effects of this for the rest of their lives, and they're like, you know, six, seven, eight right now. So that oh god, you remember yeah. when? Uh... When Elon Musk said he was just going to fix it, and then he, uh, geez, whatever. Did. did he? Did he ever get around to doing that, or no. did he just act like a psycho weirdo? He definitely acted like a psycho weirdo. Yeah, no, that seems more in line with his personality. I remember when Elon Musk seemed like he was going to be a very cool guy, and then he just made a bunch of empty promises that he was going to fix the world, but he was more interested in shooting a car into space. Yeah, we should have known that from the start because no matter how seemed he, how cool he seemed, at the end of the day, he's still a billionaire. So we should have known he was gonna suck. Yeah, you don't make a billion dollars, people. I'm just gonna say that no one has ever made a billion dollars. Not on their complete own. So that settlement, that six hundred million dollars, that works out to. A little over six thousand dollars per resident. City of Flint's a little over a hundred thousand people, uh, which I don't know about you, but to me seems like a paltry amount to be compensated for being poisoned. Oh, for being being poisoned for life? Yeah, and especially when they were warned that it was going to end up poisoning people. <laughs> like the state of Michigan knew before they did it that this was very See, likely to happen. <laughs> See, now, I didn't think that this could make me feel worse. And then you go and say something like that, Sean. You, you say that they knew it was going to do this. Yeah. And, they went and, and they're paying everyone $6,000. It, it's truly one of those things that's like, uh, it's, it's incomprehensible to be like, yeah, a city got poisoned. How long ago was it? Like six years ago, seven years ago? Um, let me pull up this article. But, but yeah, like uh, an entire city got poisoned. 
we all heard about it. We all agreed. Oh, that's kind of messed up. And it's not fixed. It's been however many years Sean is going to say in a few seconds. And it just hasn't been fixed. Yep. Yeah. So this it started in April of 2014. They filed a lawsuit in 2015. I'm going to say it. Over half a decade is too long. Yeah. It, but so they're getting compensated in some form. Unfortunately, justice isn't really being done because the people at the very top knew very well that this was likely going to happen. And they went ahead and did it anyways so they could save $2 million. Uh. Yeah, no, it's it's super super depressing, especially because like that that's the thing about the society we live in is like, oh well, if we can compensate these people with money, that'll make up for it. But like, really stop and think about. You said it was six thousand dollars. Yeah, just over for these kids. Like six thousand dollars is a semester of college, like maybe. And like by the time they get there, probably not. Like, uh, like six thousand dollars is nothing, and it has cost them everything. Like it's, it's insane. Brain like brain damage is not worth, and it's actually I misspoke. It's under six thousand dollars per resident. Um, oh, just under. Okay, all right. Well, then that's fine. Yeah. Uh, so it's even worse than I initially said because I screwed up. Yeah, no, that tracks. That's the America I grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll leave it at that and move on to uh, we're talking about California again, folks. Um, it's still on fire, if you weren't aware. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what all indications are, are saying. But to add a new wrinkle, um, the largest wildfire in California history is burning right now. Oh, and is this uh, some sort of like amalgamation of uh, a bunch of different super fires meeting each other, or uh, did one just start and was bigger than all the rest? Nope, this is a super fire. A um, bunch of other fires. The August Complex is what it's known as in uh, Northern California, north of Sounds Cisco. like a great indie folk band. <laughs> You're not wrong. The August Complex. The new album. So it's burning right now. It's about 45% contained which, yeah, not half. Uh, so far, three of the four largest wildfires in California history have burned in 2020. Uh, that's interesting, I guess, is a word to describe it. Bad? That is another word to describe it. And a far more accurate word, I would say. And to add into that, lovely shit sandwich um the rest of the west coast is also on fire with fires burning in oregon washington and british columbia so yeah well we shouldn't just uh we shouldn't just say that you know like california is on fire this is a it's a major national problem uh but it, it likes to get uh politicized as like oh california is burning because uh, a certain person who's in charge of a lot of things has a major grudge with California in particular because he wants to be a celebrity. Uh, and so he's like, oh yeah, like California's poor leadership is like why they're burning. Uh, but this is a, this is just a thing that is happening across our country because of the environment. Uh, and also California 
had a Republican governor. You may have heard of him. His name was Arnold Schwarzenegger for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> While there are a lot of like liberal people there, it's not necessarily like just this sort of liberal haven. Yeah, there's over 40 million people in California. They're not all Democrats. There's a lot of Trump fans in California. <laughs> so. Yeah, but they're all in Sacramento, too. So the West Coast is on fire. That's really all we have to say about that. And to close out the show, I've decided that from now on, we're ending on a happy story regarding the environment so we don't leave here super depressed. Yay! Um, everyone's favorite, or I guess second favorite, Mustelid, the Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine was spotted in Mount Rainier National Park after a hundred years of not being seen there. Um, Mount Rainier out in Washington. Uh, so some wolverines are back in town. Uh, that's that's what you like to hear. Like sort of going back to the beginning of this episode when I was saying like at the beginning of coronavirus, people were like making memes and stuff about how like oh the Earth is healing like whatever insert stupid animal is returning to insert stupid location. Like, yeah, a bunch of those were jokes, but like you do like to hear that maybe if people just stepped out of the way for even like three months, some good stuff might start happening. Yeah. It's, it is very heartening to hear and it's, it was especially adorable. I don't know if you like clicked on the actual article, but there's a picture. It was a mother and two kits that they were called, that, called yeah. and they are oh, so cute. Um, even though they're crazy little bastards, it's especially good because wolverines play a pretty significant role in the food chain, as things that will eat literally whatever they come across. Other animals, plants, nuts—just if it's edible, they're going to eat it. So it's good to see that link in the food chain back. We'll see what kind of effects cascade out from it but there is not maybe a good analog to this but something similar happened when they reintroduced wolves into yellowstone a few years ago it had this massive like positive effect on the environment and like they all of these different species that hadn't been seen there for decades like started reappearing just because they like introduced like six wolves back to living in yellowstone yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. It's like there's a there's like a natural like ecosystem in place and uh these things kind of need each other. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see something like that. Hopefully more wolverines make their way back down into the lower 48. Um maybe one day they'll make their back to the Midwest where they haven't been seen for over 100 years. But that's like- that'd be great. Uh, and I would also like to add in some Wolverine facts uh, to make people smile at the end of this episode. Uh, these are just things off the top of my head. Uh, when Hugh Jackman was cast as Wolverine in the first X-Men movie, he did not know that Wolverines were a real animal. And it could be because they haven't been spotted in certain locations for over 100 years. Uh, he thought they were just like a made up thing. Uh, he thought they were like just a fun name for wolves. <laughs> I think you talked about uh, this last time, too. I may have. I don't know if I kept I, it I, in. I think it's a very fun fact. Uh, but my second fun fact, it's also more about the character of Wolverine from X-Men than it is about actual Wolverines. Uh, Dugray Scott, who was the bad guy in Mission Impossible 2, was originally going to be 
Wolverine in the X-Men movies. But because of Mission Impossible 2, he had to drop out. And then we got Hugh Jackman. And if you're ever, uh, like I'm assuming Sean is right now, wondering who in the goddamn hell Do Gray Scott is, yeah, that guy could have been Wolverine. He might be the person that you were like, oh, he was so great in Logan. I didn't really like X-Men Origins Wolverine, though. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who that is. But I do know who Hugh Jackman is. Honestly, Real Steel would have been a hit with Dugrace. <laughs> <laughs> didn't we talk about Real Steel last time, too? I, You know what? I'm going to make it my mission right now <laughs> to mention Real Steel in every episode, if that's the case. I mean, let's go for it. Listeners, you've got our socials. Hit us up and tell us if we mentioned Real Steel twice in a row. <laughs> so speaking of socials, before we go, where can the people find you, Will? People can find me on Twitter, at Little Willie. It's based on the song from the 70s by Sweet. It has nothing to do with my genitals. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram, uh, at Wendlin underscore Jonas. Uh, Wendlin is spelled... I don't know exactly as it sounds. Uh, W-E-N-D-L-I-N. Uh, and yeah, that's where you can find me. You can find me at Pecan Sneers on Twitter. You can also find the show at M-W-O-S-F-Pod. Did I get it right? I don't know. I'll put it in the show notes. I can't remember the Twitter handle of our own pod um, on Twitter. And then my world's on fire podcast at gmail.com if you want to talk to us. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, send us some questions. Uh, or if you know anyone who would like to, uh, not just random people to be on, but like if you know someone who like knows their shit about the environment, uh, like hit us up and we'll like try and get in contact, get some guests on here or something. Yeah, definitely. Please, please send us people to talk to. Uh, thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Uh, have a great week, night, whatever it is that you're having.